Welcome back to Baytown Engage. Today I have an amazing guest with me, Mr. Sherman Gray III. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you for agreeing to be here because you're a pretty important person at Baytown. (laughs) For such a young man, you're doing amazing things, major moves just this year alone. And your journey is very interesting. So please, I'm not going to do you any justice. Tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you have going on. So my name is Sherman Gray III. I am a... Baytown native by way of McNair, Texas. And I have a passion. You said, you know, doing big things. and But yeah. it's it's not just me. It's people with good hearts. I have a passion for service. I have a passion for helping. And that that's pretty much who I am and, and what I do. You're really going to undersell yourself. So first of all, you're <laughs> a son, husband, father of five, motivational speaker, activist, Community seems to be your passion. You're a pastor, minister. Yes. Um, so th- please don't undersell yourself in what you do because you have a very broad reach. So tell us about being so young. I'm, I'm saying that because you're a young man. Being so young and your passion for community and unity because you have an organization called Community. Community Works. Community Works. Yes. Which is you just started in June of this year. Yes. And that was birthed from where? What made you have that? Start that. So I'm going to back up just a little bit. Okay, see, um, there it is. Back you, up. <laughs> you, you addressed all the all the titles. And I'm not a title person, but uh-huh. when I look at everything that you said, it is relevant. It is true. But the one title that I do embrace that encompasses all that is servant. I'm, I'm a server by nature. And that's how Community Works was born out of a heart of service. The idea for Community Works actually came from my oldest daughter. During Hurricane Harvey, we were watching all the devastation and we were watching all the things. And she was a little kid then she's probably maybe third grade and she said dad we need to help daddy we need to do something Mm -hmm. and I said baby I don't have a boat I don't have any major resources so she said but can we do something so I called my cousin and we went through our pantries I mean we completely decimated our pantries because we did have the funds to run to the store and get more if we needed it so we, we completely cleared our pantries I had diapers that people had given me that my children had grown out of and we found somewhere to take these resources and it made my daughter feel good and I wanted to show her the power of helping people part of that is I'm a, I'm a funny guy I think okay and I, and I made this kind of spoof video where I took one of my children's toy cars and I put it on the side of the road next Uh to the house and the water was over and I did this whole you know weatherman spill and I had a raincoat on and a swim cap and floaties on my arm and I was like turn around don't drown just trying to add some comic relief and that video was shared to my surprise over 15,000 times and I got a phone call there's a lady named Valerie Jackson Mm -hmm. she said somebody wants to talk to you that you need to meet that can help and they saw the video and that person was Portia Williams. I had no idea who she was, but she, uh, they were like, oh, that's Portia from The Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, she was in Houston right after all of that. Yeah, she yeah. actually, so she actually came and visited us and we did a tour with her to show her some of the things and her grandfather is Hosea Williams. Oh, really? Yeah. Explain to everyone who Hosea Williams is. So he was working with Dr. Martin Luther King. He was in um, Slick Southern Leadership Christian Conference and he was one 
one of Dr. King's right hand field she generals. gives her fuel for activism. That's why she's out there. Oh, yeah. Some people think it's something brand new for her. It's like, no, no, no. no. That, she's born into she was, this. That's yeah, in her she blood. Was born into this. Right, right. So I communicated with her and her people and her team. And they said, okay, we're going to send a few things to Houston for you. And I said, well, I'm not in Houston. I'm in Baytown. She said, okay, we're going to have to Google Baytown, but we'll send a few things to Baytown. And when they said a few things, I was not expecting anywhere near what they sent from the organization Hosea Helps. They sent two tractor trailers full of supplies. I'm talking about canned goods, non- all, all types of non-perishable items, toys. They sent medical supplies. They sent clothes. And for about a week and a half, we were able to set up at the J.D. Walker Community Center, and we were able to service the community. We let them come in and get as many things as they need. And when they saw that, other local organizations started donating cleaning supplies and things like that. But it started from Your an eight-year-old kid yeah. saying, Daddy, we need to do something. And she got that from watching me, watching my father, watching her mother, watching her aunts and uncles, who are people of service as well, help people. So it, it, it's in her. So that is probably where I attribute the start of Community Works from the name community works i do i spell it kind of funny yes you do (laughs) i do uh the c-o-m-m in all small letters and then unity works is big because that's what i want to stick out the fact that unity works we're a community of diverse people different backgrounds different nationalities different beliefs and but when we all come together i think that's when we work best let me ask you this. So, of course, the passion for your daughter came from what she saw you doing mm-hmm. in the community and what you stand for, service. Where did it come from for you? Where had where was it birthed in you and cultivated in you to have that type of natural passion to serve? And also, on top of that, being from McNair, Baytown, where it's, you know, it's all in one. Right. Growing up out here and experiencing and seeing things as a man of color, how have you maintained the motivation and maintain the hope to continue to serve because 2020 has unveiled unraveled and shown so many things so where has that come from for you so where that comes from is from my father and my grandfather Um, they were both actively involved in the civil rights movement they were a part of the leadership team in the local NAACP in the 50s and in the 60s so that activism that helping people comes from them my father is a pastor and he has pastored for over 53 years at one place so I have seen the service I've seen the good the bad and the ugly that comes from service I've seen the moments where I'm like dude That's enough. Like, why are you still? And he just continues. And my my dad told me this. And I really have understood that more as I become older. And as far as my faith goes, develop a deeper relationship with faith and with God and with Christ. My dad told me, he said, if you take care of people, God will take care of you. And that's what he's always done. And I've seen God take care of him. And now I'm helping people and I see God take care of of me. So that's where my passion for helping people comes from. Our mantra with community work works is that we're nothing more than people created to help people. I believe that's why we're here. Sociology tells you that you have to have community if you want to thrive, whether to. it's a dyad or a triad. Right. It you cannot be to. successful no. until you come together with someone. You have to. So community works. So let me ask you this. So also you're a motivational speaker and that came from a different journey in your life. And yes. you're like, listen, I need to do more. You're, you're made for more. 
to do more. Yes. And it and it's interesting when it takes a tragedy or an enlightenment or mm-hmm. something happening to say, hey, you're not really living in your purpose. Yeah. So let me sit you down real quick, sh- scare you, shake you up. Yeah, yeah. For you to n- realize your purpose. So let's discuss in 2018 the diagnosis of the brain tumor and how scary that can be. Yeah. Not just for you because Absolutely. you're not alone. When you're by yourself battling, is different. But when you have your wife, your kids, you have to. Li- you're living for so much more. Mm-hmm. How was that for you going through that journey and the realization, and then saying, you know what? Let me move into this as well because I love the motto for it. It why not you? Yeah. So let's discuss that. So that was more than just a shakeup. That completely turned our life upside down. Okay. And in the moment, it didn't seem like something great would come out of it. But hindsight's twenty twenty, and something great came from that moment. 2018, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, called it a subependymoma. And that news of, we found something on your brain. Right. I'm talking about the world stopped. Right. It was no, my, my heart sunk into my stomach. It, everything, everything stopped. Right. Like it was like in slow motion and my wife and I, we we looked at each other and without even any words being able to come, it was just nothing but tears. Because when you hear that in your mind, you hear you're going to die. Oh, you hear death. You hear death. You hear the end. You hear the end. Yeah. And and the doctor said, right here, San Jacinto in Baytown, great doctor. He said, you need to get to MD Anderson as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, my gosh. So I get to MD Anderson, and it was, I, I've been there before, but I've been there praying for people. I've been there encouraging people, letting them know, hey, it's going to get better. But now here I am on the other side, sitting where they sit. Let me pause you for a second. Yeah. So being a servant, you're always giving. Yes. You're always always there for others and we rarely think of ourselves yes because it's easy to think of someone else Mm -hmm. how difficult was it for you of course the world is crumbling no it is apocalyptic like Mm -hmm. the world has stopped so now you have to not put aside but put aside everyone that you've been serving and now you have to serve yourself how Mm -hmm. hard was that for you it was it was very hard because i didn't have the luxury of putting everything to the side because at the time my dad was still in recovery from his heart attack. So I'm I'm preaching every Wednesday, every Sunday, taking care of weddings, taking care of funerals. And I got this news on Monday. On Wednesday, I was at MD Anderson. <clears throat> I left MD Anderson at 4.30, drove back to Baytown after we got something to eat and did Bible study at 6.30, like nothing was going on. It was six or seven months before I let anybody know what was going on because I didn't want sympathy. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I didn't want disingenuine prayers. Oh, I understand that. I wanted the prayers that I'm praying for you just because I don't I don't need to know what's going on. I just I just need to know that I was already praying for you. So every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Saturday, every Sunday evening, every visitation to a church that would invite me in, I preached as if everything was okay. And I I didn't you never once you are given the title servant, you never have the ability to stop serving until my faith tells me you hear those words. Well done. And I didn't hear well done. So I'm I'm continuing to serve. Right. Do you. You think it's fair to yourself to I mean you you're doing fine you're doing well yeah. but me thinking personally being someone that have served and you serve and you help and you're there and during that time you need to be at 
your best mentally for yourself Mm -hmm. to get through what you're getting through do you look back at it and i'm not taking away from your journey and what you're doing but do you look back at it and think i should have slowed down for a second even though you haven't heard those words yet and that may have helped you heal but do you feel at some point looking back at it the way life happens i have to take a moment to stop for a second and think about me because you didn't you went you stopped bible study what so you kept going for Mm -hmm. others and your body was literally fighting you Yes. So I'll say this because I didn't do that and I didn't think about doing that. It was it didn't it wasn't even something that crossed my path because when you are serving, you almost feel guilty for taking care of yourself. Right. You almost feel like you are a hypocrite Mm -hmm. if you do something for you. And my dad told me this. He said, I need you to understand something. I served and served and served. And it was a healing moment for us. He said, I missed a lot of football games. And I and I remember that. I remember looking in the stands on Friday nights for my dad. But he was somewhere preaching, somewhere serving. He said, I I, I missed a lot of things, missed a lot of things with my family. We did a lot of things together, but I missed a lot of things Mm -hmm. going, going, going and serving. He said, learn to take time for you. Learn to take time for your family. And I met a wonderful, wonderful man here in Baytown. He's a pastor at Cedar Bayou Grace. His name is John, Pastor John Newsom. And we exchanged numbers. And he said something to me that I had never heard a person of faith say before. He said, you won't be able to reach me next week. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going on sabbatical and I'll be off for a month. But next week I won't have my phone available at all. And I was like, sabbatical? Who takes a month off from service? And, but, and I saw him when he came back and he was rejuvenated. And he, was, and he told me, he said, you have to take time for yourself. You have to. So that is something that I am trying to retrain my brain to understand that it's, it's okay. It's okay to say. And, and, I, and I started with that because now on Mondays, I don't do anything. Good. You can't bother me. on. I don't even answer bill collectors. It's baby on steps. Yeah, baby steps. It's baby, baby steps. steps. But bill you collectors. have to think about yourself. When a person is of service mm-hmm. and you have a journey, you have a purpose, and you have things you have to do because that's your journey. That's what yes. was put in front of you to do. You have to also have the energy and have, the, have it in you. You can't pour into right. when you're empty. No, you can't. And going, going, going and you look up like you said, I don't want empty. I don't want prayers that meet because you are, you know you're genuine mm-hmm. because you're giving and giving and people are going to take and take and take but you have to say, you know what, let me take a sabbatical every Monday. Yes. Y'all gonna leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna miss anything with these five. That's right. That's and with right. my wife because you're a husband and you're a father. <clears throat> so, and like your dad said, which is beautiful, I was there. You remember that but you do remember when he was Yes. And you don't want to have that same thing. Yes. And and he tells me all the time, every experience is a learning experience. Mm -hmm. You have to learn from the good. You have to learn from the bad. And you have to learn from the ugly. So I I begin to condition myself in that way. I, I, I tell people now, if you need me, I'll come. But if my wife calls me at the same time and says, hey, I need you here. If your need can't wait until I see about my wife, then I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm learning the importance of taking care of home. I'm learning the importance of you can't just preach about family and talk about family and talk about unity. If my family is not unified, I can't unify the community. Absolutely. So I, I, that, and Absolutely. that's something that I'm learning. And we're all learning. Life is a constant classroom. It's a constant classroom. 
and every experience, just what we're going through now, just in it's only July. <laughs> what we're going through now in these yeah. seven months going on eight, it's a learning and you learn who you are as a person. So let me ask you this with everything going on and community being what you want to unify. You had a voter registration drive mm-hmm. in June. Um, you've been doing you help with a Juneteenth organization in McNair. Mm-hmm. I think it was a bike ride that you had, was it? Yeah, we, we have a we have a bike group, uh Dirty Bay Cyclists. That's yeah. Look good for y'all because I can't. Um, <laughs> the skills you, are no longer there. You never know. You never know. It's been so long. So how has it been for you with <clears> COVID? <throat> Let's talk, start with that. When that kicked off and being of service and having your community that needs you and you need to serve them. How has it been for you to make the transition of the distance? And, you know, it's a total switch now. How have you done that with this? It's been a blessing in disguise because when you meet face to face in person, you kind of diminish your reach because you get familiar people coming. And you get comfortable. And you get comfortable. Right. I've had to do things that I never dreamed that I'd have to do. I created a YouTube channel. Even for the church, I created a YouTube channel. One of the one of the funny things is just just personally, I set my dad up a Zoom account. Oh. And we started having like family gatherings via nice. Zoom. And my dad, he's born in 1942. So helping him navigate Zoom was a comedy. It's like, I can't see this. I, but Patience. It takes patience. so much patience. But <laughs> after, after he got it done, he said, I like this. And if this is what it takes mm-hmm. for us to move forward, then let's do it. So it's offered its challenges, but it's also allowed me to see that if you rise to the occasion, what was a challenge can be a stepping stone to propel you to somewhere greater. Absolutely. Um, I, I've made connections with people that I didn't think that I'd make connections with. Last night, Community Works, we, we reached out to, we are a nonpartisan organization. We reached out to the major parties for both sides running for Congressional District Number 36. One gentleman reached back out to us. His name is Mr. Rashard Lewis. We were able to have him on. You we, had a live chat with him. Yeah, last we did a live night. chat with him last night. But without this social distancing. And yes. Without this COVID, that would have never happened. I would have never known who he was. I would have never had the idea to host a Meet the Candidate segment. And I think it's taking the pressure off of you can be present and you can be there, but also not. Yeah. And you're able to do so much more with this because you can just say, well, today's my day of interviews. Let me set up my times and you're home. Yeah. You just make sure everything is how you want it to be. Yeah. And you can just set it up and I, I can just do it from home so that you call them up. It's like I can stay in one space and do all the get all this out here and still be in my comfort mm-hmm. yet out of comfort because you you don't have to be face to face. You don't have to be there to to still make a difference. Yes. Still make a difference. Yes. And I'm an extreme extrovert. So it's very hard. Like I, I, I like I, I want to shake your hand. I want to hug you. Right. I want to talk. I want to be like right in your face. Saying, yeah. Hey, how you doing? And we're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> but but I, I, I still I still get that connection when we do Zoom meetings. And, and even though you're watching on Facebook Live, like we're, we're connecting. Like I, I see you. You see me. It's like it, it's something. Right. And it, it I think it, it builds community because when somebody sees something that they like, they hit share. And now you're meeting people that you would never have met before. I did the interview with the Baytown Project, and that, that was amazing to see the kind words from people that I never knew. Like, we've been in this city together for how many yeah. years? And we're connected now because one guy posted an article. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's the beauty of what has happened. And that's a, it's a great thing that... Mr. Berkowitz is doing with his articles and just regular people 
Yeah. Yeah. And bringing Baytown together because Baytown is small yet big because mm-hmm. we do have a little outskirts here and there. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, Mom Bellevue, we still think is our Baytown. McNair, that's Baytown. We, you know, everything is encompassed together. Don't tell together. Mom Bellevue that. Hey, listen, they're going to have to, they're going to take that today. But it's really unifying. And it it's is. really, it is. and it's really interesting to see right now with this common situation with COVID, how there isn't a that you or them, it's all of us together. Yeah. And with that being said, you have the unity mm-hmm. and you have people learning about each other through what he's doing, hopefully through this podcast. But you also we also have our, our ugly moments. We have our not so unifying things. And you are a black man. You mm-hmm. are a black husband. You are mm-hmm. a black father. You have black children. You've lived in Baytown. You're from McNair. Yes. So how has your experiences been? You know, you went to Sterling High School. You went to Highlands Junior High. Mm-hmm. We, we still claim it. You went to Highlands Junior High. Um, <laughs> But growing up, you've experienced some things. Mm -hmm. You've seen some things. You know people who have been through some things. You're a man of faith. You're a servant. But how has it been for you growing up and now as a father in Baytown? What is it like? What are you telling your children? They're still very young. Yeah. So my experiences have been I've had they've been all over the spectrum. Okay. I've had good. Mm hmm. I've had bad and I've had ugly. And I want to start with the ugly first. Go right ahead. Because I think that just in America in general, we tend to want to overlook the ugly and focus on the bad and focus on the good. I'm sorry. And and when you overlook the ugly, it diminishes the brightness of the good. I've I've been in positions here in, in Baytown. I remember in high school when I first started driving, I was going to Roosters. I wanted a chicken fried steak. I don't know if I can give them a little plug, but... Oh, no, it's good. Yeah, the chicken fried steak I'm is I'm there the once a week for a chop beef sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and this was at a time when Texas Avenue was still curvy. Oh, that's a long time ago for some. <laughs> Don't date me. It, yeah, that's dating myself also. <laughs> Go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> and and they, they had this stop sign kind of right as you were coming out of one of the curves. Mm-hmm. And there was this big shrub that was right there. And the stop sign was kind of behind the shrub. I knew the stop sign was there because I'm from Baytown. And I stopped but I couldn't see what was coming across. So I pulled up a little bit and I was beyond the stop sign. Keep in mind, I'm a first time driver and I took driver's ed and I'm trying to do my best to Follow obey the, the traffic rules, laws. Yes. Yeah. So I pull up and I look and then I go through the stop sign and a cop pulls me over mm-hmm. and he says, you came to a rolling stop. And I said, no. And I, and I knew the, the, the little book. I knew the rule that if you can't see and your vision is impeded, you can pull up a little bit so that you have a clear line of sight and I explained all that to him and he said no you didn't you didn't stop you ran the stop sign I was like sir I I didn't run the stop sign and he said I should have been able to see the emblem on your car tire 16 years old driving a Lexus oh in Baytown yeah and he says to me back in the 90s yeah and he says to me where'd you get this car Mm -hmm. and I not being rude perhaps a bit sarcastic but (laughs) what teenager isn't I said Uh I got this car at a car dealership oh no and that that answer didn't sit well with him Uh. and and he kept kept pushing, kept pushing, and he wrote me a ticket. And I said, "Thank you, sir. Have a good day." And he said, "Are you being condescending?" No, he said, um, "Don't take that tone with me." I said, "I'm being, re- I'm trying to be as respectful as I could." And, and I drove off, and I just, I was like, "Man, you know, my dad got this car so that I wouldn't have negative experiences because he didn't want me to drive. I, I wanted a box Caprice." <laughs> 
with rims and and fifteens in the trunk mm. because that, that's what that's what the culture did. Right. And and I and I loved it. But see, your dad is he, from a different culture, not realizing <clears throat> a young man driving a luxury vehicle of color. Yeah. In the South or anywhere. Yeah. And and his his idea was if I put you in a nicer car. Mm-hmm. If I put you in a car that looks more respectable, then you'll have less problems. I had more problems driving that car than I think I would have had if I was driving a quote-unquote hoopty. Yeah, I think your dad forgot what it's like when you put a black man in a nice vehicle. But but, that's, but that's what we do. Oh, we, yeah. we, we I'm, I'm going to dress you up so that they look at you differently. That's a battle we have to battle. Yeah. You have to. I was telling a friend of mine. I'm, I, I don't mean to cross you. No, no, no. I was telling a friend of mine that we have always had to leave the house presentable mm-hmm. you don't want to look a certain way to draw any attention to yourself right. make sure that you are your hands aren't tinted too yeah your window's not too tinted <clears throat> you know, like i like the dark tint window's not too tinted make sure you're driving under the speed limit make sure you're being extra when you're in a store not too close head semi down you know we've had to deal with that mm-hmm. we the rules are different yeah. The rules are totally different. But go ahead. So so I get to court with a ticket mm-hmm. and my dad comes with me and he's been in this community doing things since the 60s. We get there. I stand up. The judge says, Sherman Gray, are you related to Reverend Gray? I said, uh, yes. And my dad stands up and he goes, he has a very deep voice. That's my son. And uh, he said, OK. Pastor Gray, come up here. So he comes and he says, I'm sorry about this. Da, da, da. This should have never happened. And reflecting now in hindsight, African-Americans too many times have to prove who they are, show their credentials to be treated with similar humanity as others in this country. And he said, you know, this should have never happened, this, that, and other. And they dismissed the case. Mm-hmm. That that was an ugly experience for me. Because everyone doesn't have a Reverend Gray. Everybody doesn't have that. Right. Everybody doesn't have that. And I, I was like, I, you know, I remember in that moment thinking this is an ugly experience for me. This is a tough experience for and me. it changes you it, ch- it changes you because you're brand you. new driving now you're extra cautious mm-hmm. now you'll sit there longer like i'm not moving yeah i'm not so, rolling so when you anywhere. get behind me now i get extra nervous yeah you tighten up and, and, and i make a mistake yeah. because i'm nervous yeah so that was that was a that was an ugly experience for me you lucky you on texas avenue and not in magna when it happened <laughs> in well, the 90s yeah <laughs> <laughs> because it would probably have been a little bit different for you, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was in McNair back in those days. We we had, I guess, what's considered a beat cop. Mm-hmm. So he knew who drove which cars, and he he was kind of connected to the community. There were still some abrasive interactions, but nothing that you know it was like he knew what was what. You know, right. um, I keep doing facial expressions. You can't see them on the podcast. But, <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> folks, they can see you right there on your live. So, yeah, that, that was, and then I've had some good experiences here. Yeah. I went to Sterling, and you have interactions with staff at the campus that are not so good. Mm-hmm. But then you have some that were good. Coach Shaw, he's a basketball coach at Sterling, mm-hmm. and that guy is a great influence. He was a, he was a great role model, and he, he got us, you know, and, right. and, and even even to this day, you know, I've, I've been on campuses with him now and, and man we just we just talk and talk and talk and he shares information another gentleman his name is al johnson he coached us in football and he made such an impact on a 14 year old kid in the way of right mm-hmm. and in the way of no 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 that doesn't matter right is right wrong is wrong it doesn't matter what the kid looks like it doesn't matter who the kid is he made such an impact on me that to this day he and his wife are like parents to me that's good um, his his kids we call each other brother and sister 
sister. <clears throat> Do you think that's rare to see in Baytown, considering everyone's experience is different? Absolutely. But do you feel that that was rare? growing up to have that person right is right wrong is wrong doesn't matter what you look like where you come from right is right wrong is wrong because many will tell you that I didn't have that experience here in Baytown mm-hmm. so I mean, how do you feel about I don't think that it's rare because I think that there are many people in Baytown who hold his sentiment I think they have a fiduciary responsibility to express and share those sentiments a little bit louder mm-hmm. um, because I can talk about some negative experiences that I had with teachers at Sterling right but this interaction over overshadows those right and for me it's about perspective if i view things you asked me earlier about hope and how do i hold on to hope that things will change because i refuse to allow negative experiences to impact my perspective laying there in that mri machine it was all about perspective if i see myself as dying then i'm going to die Right. But if I see myself as living and I'll get through this, I'll get over this, then that's what I believe will happen. So if my perspective is one of things won't ever change, people aren't going to ever change, they're, they're not, people ain't going to change, uh, that, that's just who they are. They're going to be who they're going to be. Then that's all they'll ever be. But if I see that people can change, people at their core are good, and I provide opportunities for people to be good, then I think that's what will happen. And that's the core you're trying to use with community. Yeah, that's the core that I'm trying to use with community and motivational work. speaking. Yeah, with motivational motivational speaking. Can I talk about that for a little bit? So I'm laying in that MRI and my life is flashing before my eyes. I'm seeing my children and I'm like, oh my goodness, (laughs) my kids are going to grow up and they're not going to know their father and they're going to have a terrible story and this, that and the other. And and I'm getting so sad and it's affecting my life. And my wife, like she, she's a small lady Mm -hmm. and she grabbed me and she shook me and she said, this is not what we do. This is not who we are. Right. We live. Right. You better get up and stop living like you're dying and start living like you want to live. And she walked out the room and I was like, oh, my goodness. Cause she, Wake she's, up call. Yeah, she's quiet, but when she's fiery, she can be fiery. <laughs> and that lit a spark under me. Mm-hmm. So I had my next appointment, and I'm laying in the MRI, and everything is flashing. And I'm hearing her say, we, we live. That's not what we do. We live. And I always took a song with me in the MRI because I was in there for up to two hours at, at sometimes, just laying still. So, you know, to keep my mind mm-hmm. in a good space, I'd always take a song or I'd always, like, sing to myself. And this particular day, it was like I was encouraging myself. And, and I kept hearing a voice say, we live. And then I heard this voice that I believe, a voice of faith, was God saying, what's wrong with you? And just showing me all of the opportunities in life that I've had. I quit Texas Southern my junior year because I felt like they were jerking me around with football. And, right. uh, da, 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 da. and you know, I, I'm too smart to be sitting in this class. They're telling me stuff I already know. This is stupid. So I quit. Mm. I just dropped out of college my junior year. And that was tough. Yeah. I didn't realize it at the time how tough it would turn out to be. Oh, we never realized it then. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm laying there in that MRI, and all these moments are flashing through my mind, and I'm thinking about all the opportunities that I have, all the talents that I have, all the skills that I have. And this voice says, you've given yourself all the reasons why you can't do something. You don't have your degree. You're unqualified for this. You can't do that. Well, what if somebody, I've given myself all the reasons why I can't. And they said, why not you? Mm-hmm. Why not start giving yourself all the reasons that you can 
can. And my reasons that I could all came from faith. I was created to do this. I, I, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I, I, and, and, and all these things, they resonated with me. And I said, you know what? I have a message that people need to hear because society hands you, no matter where you're from, no matter what your lot in life is. I've talked to people who had way more than me that still felt inadequate. Right. And I said, you know, I need to tell people. I need to ask people, why not you? I need to start teaching people to ask themselves, why not you? Why can't you do it? You've given yourselves the reasons why you can't, but start giving yourself the reasons why you can. Why not you? Others can do it. Why not you? And I started seeing all these stories of people who came from nothing and rose to, to greatness because they believed in themselves. Miles Monroe, great, great preacher. Um, he said this, though. He said the cemetery is full of purpose. People who died with their purpose because they didn't feel like they were qualified. They died with songs that were great that we'll never hear books with words that will lift us out of despair that we'll never read. I think many of us, you know, we doubt ourselves, mm -hmm. we question ourselves, <clears throat> and I think too many times we look for outside reassurance yeah. when it's already within us, yeah. and we know what we have to do. We all know what we have to do mm -hmm. and what needs to be done. It's all about fear and about fear, fear about speaking up, fear about being that one by yourself for the moment, mm -hmm. because it takes sometimes seeing one person jump out there to do it. And then everyone else knows, OK, if they can do it, I can do it mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that it takes a lot for someone to step out on faith yeah. and realize their purpose. Yeah. And know that I may be by, my, by myself for a while walking in this and doing this. And you may not understand it right now. Yeah, no. So <clears throat> community is all about motivation, mentorship. Yeah, we, we are mentorship, education, mm -hmm. community advocacy, and youth enrichment. Can I give myself a little plug? Let's go right ahead. <laughs> you, talked, you talked about fear. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when it's going to be done, but I'm in the process of writing a book about fear called The F Word. Okay. Oh. And I, I'm excited about where this book is going and the information that is going to be in the book. I know that it's going to help people. You know, if we can, you know, the F word is it, it, it's bad, but okay. it's not, it's not, it's not the one it, you think. When you finish it, you have to come back and talk about it. Absolutely. Definitely. I sure will. I sure Definitely. Will. So with everything <clears throat> going on right now and schools are going to be different, how we communicate, how we engage is different, how we help is different. What is up next right now for you and community and your motivational speaking? You already figured out how you're getting to your congregation. You already figured that out. Yeah. They're, they pretty much now they're, they're rolling with it. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's next? now for community and what do you have planned for Baytown with community because we need help yes, we need to yes, unify absolutely. because even though we're <clears throat> we're almost I won't say almost there but we recognize that we all need each other mm -hmm. what do you have planned right now for your organization to get us all band together to have conversations and get together and realize that we have to be all as one okay so I'm, I'm going to start talking about my, my personal business <laughs> the why not you that's my motivational speaking business mm -hmm. I I'm going to start uh, in in two weeks. Well, I, I'm going to do the first one, and it's it's not it's not going to be long. It's going to be like a little ten minute segment, but it's, it's going to be a, a weekly segment, and um, it, it's just going to be offering encouragement and just sharing motivation and encouraging people. So that that's going to start next week on Facebook Live and. Um, Instagram live if I can figure out Instagram it's easy um, you'll figure it out but with community works on Tuesday Tuesday is the ooh, this next week yes this the coming, 28th the 28th. 28th Tuesday the 28th we have something really really good that we want the community to be a part of we are doing a segment called parenting during the pandemic and we have experts coming in from different backgrounds and we're going to talk about three topics we're going to talk about parenting during the pandemic as 
it affects school. And we have an expert coming in from HISD to share some information about school and how, how it affects parents and things that they can do this school year to help their students, things that parents can do to help themselves navigate that. And we're going to talk about the new normal. My wife is going to address that. She is a master planner. And I guess with five kids, you have to be. But she has been and she was pregnant during the, the beginning of this pandemic. I'm, and I'm talking about like pregnant, pregnant. Our daughter is a month old. So but she as pregnant as she was and high risk, supposed to be on bed rest. She was intentional about making sure that our kids transitioned well in this new normal. She's going to talk about scheduling and planning and keeping routine and the importance of teaching your kids and even yourself to make the most of your opportunities. And then we have Mr. Justin Henderson. He's a Baytown native. He's licensed, I think, psychologist or psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on that. But he'll be on Tuesday and he'll tell you all about himself. But he's going to deal with the emotional impact of COVID-19 on parents, on kids. And he's going to give us some tips to navigate through that. Because I was watching the news the other day and they said that this COVID could be with us possibly through 2022. Yeah, it's, it's going <clears> to <throat> be around for a little while. And you have to really step out your comfort zone. Yeah. And you really have to say, you know what, I have to do things differently. That's right. That's right. And it does. You cannot do it by yourself. If we go back to that, you cannot do it by yourself. No, you can't. And there's so many people out there, teachers and everything, who's willing to help. You just can't do it by yourself. You can't. You can't. And that's what this parenting during COVID is about. This is new for everybody. Mm -hmm. So these are new skills that we're going to have to learn, new skills that we're going to have to develop. Community Works, we are an organization focused on the power of unity to bring positive and measurable change through mentorship, through education, through advocacy, and through youth enrichment. And one of the things that we're going to do to bring that together, we're going to partner with an organization called Prey on MLK. And on August 8th, we are going to, there's MLK in Baytown, for those who didn't know. Uh, <laughs> we are going to pray on MLK. So local faith leaders, I am going to be calling on you to join us. Um, we're going to do an hour of prayer and then we're going to do an hour of just worship. But guess what? This isn't just for faith. If you say, well, I don't pray the way that the Christian faith prays. If you have positive energy, if you have a good aura, come and bring that out there. We need all of this. We this do. We need everything that unifies the community. This is not to exclude anyone, but we're going to do that on August 8th. And around what time? Uh, six o'clock p.m. six o'clock p.m. from six to eight we're going to be there and we will be social distancing we're trying to develop a plan now to where maybe we can put little markers down on the ground yeah. something to keep people six feet apart right but we want people to to separate we may have to go old school like they used to do in pe where you stand in a line <laughs> and then stretch your arms out and turn to the right and yeah. turn to the left we're all used to it now so i think we'll probably figure out how yeah. to do our own distancing yeah if, if you could touch your neighbor you're too close yes and and we are asking that if you come out on the eighth please wear a mask please wear a mask regardless of how you feel about it please wear a mask I want to say thank you so much for coming is there anything else you wanted to add yeah I, I do I do want to add one more okay, thing go ahead. Um, there's an issue that's going on here mm -hmm. in town and people know about it and probably when they hear this the meeting will have already happened but it, it's a painful issue and I'm not not going to acknowledge the pain that both sides may feel Mm -hmm. But I just personally believe that challenges and pain have the power to unite. Uh, pain is kind of like, like glue. And I, and I think that shared pain increases within us a sense of solidarity and cooperation when we are able to step back and listen to each other. So I, I would encourage both sides 
to listen, to talk, to have open dialogue. Find out why you want to hold on. Find out why you want to let go. And I think that if we are truly to live out the words that our forefathers of this nation wrote, and we really believe that we are all created equal and endowed certain inalienable rights that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then I think that we have a responsibility to figure out how to work together as a community and do the right thing. I hope so. We're in an old community, and um, there's so many things right now that's brand new mm-hmm. for this community. Mm-hmm. And on both sides of that, we have to also realize that it's not going to be a overnight No, thing not at all. Because it may have to be just the coming to the table, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then the understanding. That's right. And then hearing all sides and realizing Yes. Because sometimes we hold on to things just because we were told to hold on to them. That's right. Some may not even really know or understand what they're holding on Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. But once we get to the table, even though there's separate tables, once we get to that one unified table and we're able to have a conversation about what's really going on and why we feel the way we feel, but I understand how you feel what you feel, then you can have progression. I'm at the point right now that I'm just happy, not just happy, but that we're able to even communicate and bring it up. Yes. Because we're a community that has been silent for so long. And we're a community that quick to say, I've never heard anyone complain before because we couldn't complain before. We were muted before. Or we move away and just don't come back before. Mm -hmm. Because we know what it's like here before. But with progression, it can't just be on one area. It has to be across the board. So we have to all progress, all communicate without hostility, Mm -hmm. with patience and peace and grace. Yes. And exercise that grace with everyone and all of us. But we have to come to the table. Yes. And at the end of the day, no one's taking anything away from you and giving to someone else. That's right. Nothing is being taken away. That's right. Because history is history, as ugly as it may be or as beautiful as it may be. It's all a part of who we are. It's all about who we are. And so coming to the table definitely is a major, major step. So hopefully that will be how things are handled. I don't see anything happening personally right now because with everything going on, it's only July. It's a lot to process. It's a lot. And that has to be understood as well, that it's a lot. Mm -hmm. You've had COVID and deaths. You've had police brutality and deaths. You've had things that's not resolved and death. It's another layer and everyone can handle. It's a lot. Yes, yes. So we have to all all take a step back and realize this is a major step and nothing has come easily to anyone. No, no. It's hard work. It's hard work. And we have to be committed to doing the hard work. And that's the commitment. Mm-hmm. We talk the right talk, but it's time to start walking the right talk. But, and that's hard. And we're not a generation of having to walk it. No. Because to disrespect what someone has done <clears throat> when they didn't have the rights to do it bothers me. Yeah. Because we're able to tell the cop, I got from a car dealership and not be arrested on the spot. They didn't have that 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. So our 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 liberties are different. Yes, yes. But the long haul can be ugly. And yes. everyone doesn't want to go for that long haul because they feel they're going to lose something. But That's sometimes right. you have to lose everything That's right. to get what is due. Yeah. And my, yeah. my, my goal is to, and I, and I know it, it's lofty, but my goal is to create the world that my kids see. When they see their friends of different color, they don't see the color. They just see that's my friend. They run and they embrace each other. And, and I think that kids got it. Kids understand. And it. that's beautiful. And that's great. But unfortunately, we have to see because we have to teach because you have to know what's happened before to appreciate where you are right now. Yes. And uh, and to make sure we don't go back that way. I think the colorblind mentality was a nice way to have things before. I'm not saying that what you're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, but no. But then no, no. you have people who do <clears throat> not know history. Yeah. On 
either side. Yeah, 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 yeah. To realize that you're living a life off of blood and death and the backs of others. Your name has carried you. Mm-hmm. Your endowment has carried you. It's come from somewhere else. You have to know those things and say, you know what? I can't let this go any further. Mm-hmm. And that's all we're asking for mm-hmm. is to understand and learn the foundation and what made it what it is so we don't repeat those things. Yes. Yes. No one's taking anything away or blaming you, but we can't let these things repeat. And I'm, we may exercise grace and be loving, but we can't let things repeat. Thank you so much for listening to Baytown Engage. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. Stay tuned.